This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Kinetti. It is March 26, 2021. Well, it's the end of Q1, the first quarter of the year, and what a three months it has been for the country, the world, and of course, in the world of tech. Uh, Before we get into the show today, I just want to acknowledge some of the horrible things that are happening in the world and continue to happen. The violence against Asian Americans here in the U.S. and uh, the shooting in Colorado and a bunch of other mass shootings, actually, that I sadly and embarrassingly don't even know where they happened because there are quite literally too many horrible things happening at any given time to keep track of them. And that's on top of COVID. And um, there's just a general numbness that is is really hard to uh, stay focused and to stay angry and to stay vigilant against so many different wars that we are fighting on so many different fronts. And um, needless to say that, like a lot of people, I feel helpless, largely, uh, in the light of all of these things that that I know I should be doing something. And so a simple way to start is just by remembering not to not talk about it and remembering not to not mention it and to just keep these things at the tips of our tongues. And so at least that's where I'm trying to start. I've been talking about it with my students in the classroom and, um, you know, just trying to make it clear that this is not about being Asian or being black. Um, This is about all of us. This is a problem that all of us need to solve and a problem that all of us feel the repercussions of. If it's bad for any of us, it's bad for all of us. And, um, you know, we all deserve to live in a place where you don't have to worry about somebody punching you as you walk down the street, uh, regardless of your race or gender or sexual identity or religious beliefs or anything. There just should be no possible way that that is possible or that you would go grocery shopping and get murdered while you're buying your vegetables. And um, unfortunately, that's not the world that we're living in today. And um, it just sucks. I don't know. I don't know uh, what else to say about it, but it's just really shitty. As far as the week in tech, it was an eventful week. Uh, There's a lot to talk about in the spirit of this new thing I'm trying that we kicked off last week of really trying to focus in on a particular story or sort of a theme or topic that we can really dig deep on. There are two main headlines that I'm going to talk about this week that really sort of are uh, representative of a strategy that we see in business and particularly in the world of software. This week's episode is going to be a little different than normal as I'm really going to spend the entire show talking uh, about these two stories. But just to mention quickly, 
One of the other big things that happened this week were the congressional testimonies of three of the biggest CEOs in tech, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, Sundar Pichai of Google, and Jack Dorsey of Twitter. And these talks uh, were around the topic of online content moderation and a law known as Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. And I've talked about it before on the show, and maybe we'll do another episode that really dives deep on the pros and cons. But it was interesting to hear the different CEOs taking different sides of this argument. Google saying that we should leave the laws as they are, and that there are other ways to remedy some of the issues that were raised by uh, the Congress people that were grilling them. And then you had someone like Mark Zuckerberg who was like, no, yeah, I think we should change the laws. Regulate me. Go for it. Which is either some sort of crazy bluff or maybe an interesting strategy. Again, not to be too much of a teaser there, but um, I think we'll, we'll save Section 230 and everything that it entails for another episode. One more big thing that happened this week in tech, and I don't know if this would make the cut on any other tech news show, but my new company, Bounce House, launched to the public this week, and I am super excited about it. Of course, as you can imagine, Bounce House is an e-commerce platform for local businesses. Think like a personal trainer or a piano teacher or an acupuncturist, anyone that charges by the hour, typically, for a group class or a private session, they can now handle all their payments and scheduling with a simple web page that they build with Bounce House. You can check it out. It's bounce.house. That's the URL, bounce.house. And if you happen to know anyone that is in that sort of business, you know, maybe you use a personal trainer or you go to a physical therapist or a chiropractor or your kids go to dance classes or art classes, those are the sorts of people that could use Bounce House. And so if you don't mind, send them the link. They can sign up for a 30-day free trial, see how it goes. So that was the most exciting tech news for me. But let's get into this week's two headlines and the main theme we're going to explore, which is this idea of come for the tool, stay for the network. Slack introduces a new feature called Connect DM, and Stripe introduced a new feature called Link with Stripe. Come for the tool, stay for the network. Come for the tool, stay for the network. This phrase was created and popularized by a well-known venture capitalist named Chris Dixon, who is a general partner at the firm Anderson Horwitz. And this really is the strategy behind these two things that we saw uh, be released this week by two large companies. And the releases themselves were interesting. So Slack, there was a ton of press about it. Um, The Stripe story I know about because I'm a Stripe customer and a Stripe developer. But as I was trying to research for this episode... I couldn't even find it on Google. Um, It's not on their blog. They didn't do a press release. Kind of a stealthy release from what I can tell. So let's take them one at a time and then discuss how they are similar. Slack, which was 
recently acquired by the company Salesforce, released a new feature called Connect DM. Now, last year, maybe a year and a half ago, Slack introduced this idea of Slack Connect, which was a way to connect two different workspaces within Slack. So the idea is that Slack is a tool you use internally with your coworkers. And so I'm using Slack with my coworkers. You're using Slack at your separate company with your coworkers. Slack Connect was a way to connect those two company accounts together so that you could have shared accounts between them. Now, Connect DM allows you to actually direct message across companies, but you don't actually have to connect at the company level. You can connect at the user level. And the only thing you need is someone else's email. So if I know the email that you used for your Slack account, I could just DM you. DM, again, is direct message you to that email address, and then you could choose to accept my invitation, and all of a sudden we can talk on Slack. My wife and I were joking, you know, she works at Reddit, uh, they use Slack, and I use Slack all day, and now we can finally Slack each other during the workday from my Slack account to her Slack account using Connect DM. Slack has crossed a bit of a chasm here in that they are known for being this insulated tool that you use with the people within your organization specifically for work. And now what they're doing is really inviting you to talk to anybody. Now, of course, this could be for work purposes. You're an agency and you're DMing with your client or a sales prospect. But this also could be, again, for husbands and wives, friends, roommates, um, and anybody to talk on Slack. If everyone you know is on Slack all day anyway, and you're on Slack, then why not just talk over Slack? And so the reason I say that this is come for the tool, stay for the network, is that what they've really done here is created a network between these companies. So you can imagine that, of course, Slack is sort of a network-heavy uh, tool, but the network is internal facing to your organization. And now, if you imagine all of these kind of nodes of users, all of these companies just floating out there, but they've been separate from one another, nothing ties them together. All of a sudden, you start drawing lines from one to the other, and you create a much, much larger network, and it creates an even stickier product that provides even more value, and you spend even more time, and there's just less reason during the day to switch over to iMessage or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or some other way that you're communicating uh, instead of Slack. Because again, with Slack, you until now could really only DM with the people within your company. But now you can just sort of live inside Slack and talk to everybody there. And so how is this similar to the news from Stripe? If you listen to last week's episode, the whole thing was dedicated to Stripe and their valuation, which is now approaching $100 billion. And now, in retrospect, I'm realizing that their investors must have known about this upcoming feature enhancement, even though last week when we were talking about it on the podcast, we didn't know that. And I think probably Stripe is worth $95 billion even without it. But what Stripe has done is introduced something that they're calling Link with Stripe. And what it is, is sort of a fast checkout mechanism across different Stripe 
checkouts with different businesses. And so the way that Stripe works is if you go to a store or a business that's using Stripe and you check out, you put in your, you know, whatever, name, email, and your credit card information, and that's how you pay. Then you go to a different website, a different business, and they might also be using Stripe. And again, when you go to checkout, you put in your name and your email and your payment information again, and you do that each and every time. What they're doing here is creating a way to link, again, those separate businesses together, those separate accounts together, so that if you have ever checked out with Stripe at any business, the next time you encounter a Stripe checkout page with some other business, it will uh, pull up all of your payment information from the first one. Now, of course, Stripe has had your credit card information this whole time, but they've never used it across these different stores. And if you buy from, you know, sneaker store A and t-shirt store B, you imagine that the relationship you have is with the t-shirt store and the sneaker store. Even though they're using Stripe, you as the consumer, you don't think of having a direct relationship with Stripe. But here, what they're really saying is, actually, you have a relationship with Stripe. You have a Stripe account, and you can now use that at both the t-shirt store and the sneaker store. And that's a really significant move because not only is it, of course, a better user experience, you don't have to enter your payment information again, it's going to increase conversion and make checkout a lot faster at those stores. But also what it's doing is building up, again, that relationship between the end consumer and Stripe. And this is a business model that we sometimes think of as B2B to C. So B2B stands for business to business. B2C is business to consumer. You can think of, you know, a social app like Clubhouse, which we've talked about as being a B2C. Business being Clubhouse, C being the end consumer. Or a B2B business, like traditionally Stripe, where Stripe is selling to other businesses, business to business. But here, B2B2C is business to business to consumer, where Stripe is selling to a business in order to get access to the consumer. And this is a really big strategic move, in my opinion. Both of these companies are around 10 years old, and both of them took this full decade of accumulating so many users, so much revenue, growing to such a massive scale by selling tools. And now what they're doing is connecting each of their customers with each other and leveraging the network. They're leveraging the fact that so many businesses use Slack or so many businesses use Stripe. And that layers on a whole new arena of value for, of course, Slack and Stripe, but hopefully also for those businesses that are their customers and then those end consumers. And so everybody hopefully wins here. It's a tricky balance, though, because I might be a Stripe customer, but I don't really want that customer to have a relationship with Stripe directly. But now it's too late. Like, what am I going to do? Stop using Stripe? Of course not. And it probably will convert more sales for me. So it really is a win for me, the, the middle business there as well. So that was the lesson for the week. 
come for the tool, stay for the network. This is a long strategic play. It's incredibly hard to execute. Uh, it only works if you achieve a certain scale. These two companies really are incredible and quite different in so many ways, but um, are really applying that same strategy in both cases. And just by coincidence, both sort of revealed their grand plan this same week. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Professor Paul Canetti, and I'll see you next week for more tech news for MBAs.